What's up, folks? Welcome to the Lecture Fan Podcast. It's Monday, March 8th, 2021. Let's get it started. Thanks for listening. Wall Street Journal story today. NASDAQ enters correction territory as tech shares sink. Stimulus hopes and brightening economic prospects hit tech stocks. Dude, I love that. I love that that's how the market works. The market is so whacked. It's like, oh, the economy is going to boom. The economy is doing great. Okay, stocks are going to tank. It's like, wait, that's a little bit counterproductive. And then when you hear the explanation, it's like, oh, okay. The explanation is, is that, okay, if the economy booms, we're going to see more inflation, which is going to cause the Fed to raise rates. And if the Fed raises rates, that it changes the discount value for tech stocks and all tech stocks values and earnings are in the future. So they're less valuable now. And so the shares are going down. Tech stocks continued falling Monday, pulling the NASDAQ into correction territory as a sell-off in U.S. government bonds extended into a sixth week and sapped demand for once high-flying shares. The NASDAQ dropped 311 points or 2.4% to 12,600, extending the decline from the February 12th record to more than 10%. We're in an official correction, folks, an official correction. Rising bond yields dent the allure of growth stocks like those of big tech. Apple shares dropped 4%. Yikes. Netflix was and Facebook posted declines of more than 3%. Netflix off over 4%. Tesla shed 6%. Shares of Tesla have dropped more than 20% in 2021. Ouch. Everything that the Democrat House is doing is an absolute gold mine of content for conservatives and it, we this is such an exposition of democrats a hardcore just exposing the democrats for being the most anti-american extreme insane people like hr1 is clearly clearly an attempt by the democrats to destroy our election and our voting integrity and, and system all just to benefit democrats I mean, all you have to do is just sit there and literally list off the things it does. And most reasonable people will be like, okay, that's absurd. Like literally banning, banning states from even asking if people are eligible to vote when they register to vote. It literally bans states from even asking if someone's eligible to vote when they register to vote. It bans states from ever asking for an ID to vote. I mean, the only way that you could be in favor of this stuff is if you're evil and you purposely want corrupted elections. The only way you could be in favor of this. All right, Mark Levin, video, March 8th, 2021. The Republican legislature in Georgia I read yesterday on Epic Times is taking steps to reinstitute the voting system that was in place before Stacey Abrams and her front group brought a lawsuit before the Secretary of State there buckled with a consent decree in violation of Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. So she's brought here in front of CNN with Anderson Cooper, who is a complete fraud, and I want you to hear some of this. Go. Representative Abrams, thanks for being with us. So you hear the former president, you see what's happening in your home state. How do you combat that? 
how do you combat that? There is no such thing as voter oppression in the United States in 2021. It's easier to vote in the United States today than it has ever been in any country throughout anywhere in history. We already have access to the vote. We actually have gone so far into, into trying to make it so easy to vote that we actually went and got rid of all of the, the security measures and stuff. And so we can still have the access to the vote and everybody can still vote, but we can actually have basic security measures, basic integrity measures. And that's also not vote oppression. That's common sense. Voter ID, verifying the eligibility of people to register to vote. That's common sense. That's basic 101. How do you have a free and fair election? Because if somebody's vote is actually being taken from them or the right to vote, they have a federal civil rights lawsuit. How many federal civil rights lawsuits are there, or even class action lawsuits of a sort, being brought because somebody's been denied the right to vote? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this Zero. massive mail-in voting, massive distributed ballots. They are not fighting to protect elections. They're fighting to preserve their ability to win. Oh, I see. Fighting to preserve their ability to win. Is that what Republicans are saying? Do the Democrats not have the ability to win unless they completely destroy the system? Is that what she's saying? What is she saying? Yeah, she, she's basically saying Democrats can't win unless we basically get rid of all of the security and integrity measures that we have to verify of true and free and fair elections. Basically, she's saying Democrats can't win in free and fair elections. Not what democracy is designed for. You do not get to rig the elections to your the real election system what? to benefit your candidate. How is it rigging? She's literally talking. She's literally saying everything that everything that she's saying that Republicans are doing. That's what she's doing. When Democrats make it so you can't verify the eligibility of a voter, you can't check their ID, you can't do anything. That's rigging the election. Requiring voter ID is not rigging the election. That's preposterous. That's Orwellian. That's the opposite of the truth. People can go vote right after work, or they can go vote before work, or they can go vote on their lunch hour. It's not hard to vote. People acting like people acting like the hardest thing ever. The hardest thing you can ever do is go vote. It's so hard. It's so hard to vote. Oh my gosh. First you have to register. Then you have to show up. Then you have to show an ID in some places. This is so hard to vote. It's the easiest thing on the face of the earth to vote. We've made it so freaking easy. You get off work, on your drive home from work, you stop at the polling booth, you vote, you show your ID. They want to oppose a California-like voting system on the entire country without the ability of a state to resist, without the ability of a state to change. If a state-based voting system was good enough for the framers and the ratifiers of the constitution they're good enough for me because amen amen mark levin is the smartest political commentator out there right now mark levin is honestly 10 times as smart as any other political commentator he is a very very smart person similar to like ben shapiro that's one of the reasons i like ben shapiro as well but mark levin is smart Rush Limbaugh, very, very smart. The, I look up to these guys because they're so, so smart. Look, there's still tens of millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans who vote Democrat, tens of millions of Americans who still trust the media. Like we have so much work to do and how, are, how do we do it? How do we, how do we 
get these other Americans to be informed enough to where they can see that the Democrats are a corrupted, evil, hypocritical party. That's the big mission, right? That's That was Rush Limbaugh's life mission. That's my life mission. OAN article. CDC face masks don't prevent COVID-19 study finds masks have negligible impact on coronavirus numbers. The CDC has admitted face masks do little to prevent the spread of COVID-19 amid mounting pressure to lift mask mandates across the U.S. In a new study, the CDC found face masks had a negligible impact on coronavirus numbers that didn't exceed statistical margins of error. Okay. And they actually cite the CDC.gov article. Okay, here we go. CDC.gov, March 5th, 2021. Association of state-issued mask mandates and allowing on-premises restaurant dining with county-level COVID-19 case and death growth rates. Mandating masks was associated with a decrease in daily COVID-19 case and death growth rates within 20 days of implementation. Really? Growth rates? So even though cases still went up after the mask mandate, they didn't go up as fast as they were going up before. Allowing on-premises restaurant dining was associated with an increase in daily COVID-19 case growth rates. 41 to 100 days after implementation and an increase in daily growth rates 61 to 100 days after implementation. What are the implications? Mask mandates and restricting on-premises dining at restaurants can help limit community transmission of COVID-19 and reduce case and death growth rates. These findings can inform public policies to reduce community spread of COVID-19. The study found that between March and December 2020, face mask orders reduced infection rates by 1.5% over the rolling periods of two months each. The masks were 0.5% effective in the first 20 days of the mandates and less than 2% effective after 100 days. During March to December 2020, county-level data on mask mandates and restaurant reopenings were compared with county-level changes in COVID-19 case and death growth rates relative to the mandate implementation and reopening dates. Mask mandates were associated with decreases in daily COVID-19 case and death growth rates 1 to 20, 21 to 40, 41 to 60, 61 to 80, to 81 to 100 days after implementation. You know, so what's interesting is, so they're admitting, they're admitting that they actually, they actually don't cause a decrease in cases or deaths. They cause a decrease in the growth rates. So, it's still growing. It's still going up. It's just not going up as fast as it would have. Which it's like, look, um, let's just be honest about what the study says and then and then say, this is what the study says. It says it makes a difference in growth rates. It doesn't make a, a difference in, like, you're not going to see cases actually go down or deaths go down. You're just going to see it grow a tiny bit slower. Allowing any on-premises dining at restaurants was associated with increases in daily COVID-19 case growth rates and increases in daily COVID-19 death growth rates. Implementing mask mandates was associated with reduced corona transmission, whereas reopening restaurants for on-premises dining associated with increased transmission. Policies that require universal mask use and restrict on-premise restaurant dining are important components of a comprehensive strategy to reduce exposure and transmission of corona. Such efforts are increasingly important given the emergence of highly transmissible variants in the United States.
So let's think about this though. They're looking at county level data between counties because like there's a lot of other factors. The, the, the question I have is like, how can they, how can they be so sure that the differences between counties is not based on some other factor? So let's say you've got a, a county that has a like a really big city and then you've got a county that's a rural county. And one of them has a mask mandate. One of them doesn't have a mask mandate. And you say, oh, psh, look, one of those counties they had, they didn't have the mask mandate, and their their cases grew faster. It's like, well, did you did you look at did you look at what was the what was the seroprevalence or the antibody rate before this? How many total cases per capita had already happened in in that county prior to this? Uh, what was the movement of the people like? Um, what was the population density of the county? Like, did they control for all those variables? County level data on state issued mask mandates and restaurant closures were obtained from executive and administrative orders identified in state government websites. Orders were analyzed and coded to extract mitigation policy variables for mask mandates and restaurant closures, their effective dates and expiration dates in the counties to which they applied. State issued mask mandates were defined as requirements for persons to wear a mask anywhere outside their home or in retail businesses. State-issued restaurant closures were defined as prohibitions on restaurants operating or limiting service to take out curbside pickup or delivery. Allowing restaurants to provide indoor, outdoor, on-premises dining was defined as a state lifting a state-issued restaurant closure. Two outcomes were examined. The daily percentage point growth rate of county-level COVID-19 cases and county-level COVID-19 deaths. Okay, so they literally didn't control for any other variables in this study, right? So they didn't look at any other variables. The nature of the reporting is so irregular. I don't trust any of the stats at this point. Too much mech. Yeah. I mean, look at what look at what happened with, with New York. Governor Cuomo literally altered and changed the public health data. So how are we supposed to have this religious faith in government public health data when you've got people like Andrew Cuomo literally altering the data. The daily growth rate was defined as the difference between the natural log of cumulative cases or deaths on a given day and the natural log of cumulative cases or deaths on the previous day multiplied by 100. Data on cumulative county-level COVID-19 cases and deaths were collected from state and local health department websites and access for U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Protect. Associations between the policies and COVID-19 outcomes were measured using a reference period, one to, two, 20, one to 20 days before implementation, compared with seven mutually exclusive time ranges relative to implementation. That is, the effective date of the mask mandate or the date restaurants were permitted to allow on-premises dining. The association was examined over two pre-implementation periods and five post-implementation periods. Okay, here's, here's the thing, though. Here, here's a really important point about this, right? Let's go back to epidemiology 101. Let's go back to do with with Europe talking about vaccine passports. Do you think they're applying it? Through? Of course not, Jenten. Just like Biden. Biden's not. There was somebody on the Sunday talk shows that was talking about how the Biden administration is not testing um, illegal aliens when they come in. And yet the Biden administration, the CDC is recommending we're going to close our schools um, and everybody has to be tested and, and you have to be tested to, to do this and that and the other thing, but they're not testing illegal aliens. So there's all kinds of problems like that. But here's the point I wanted to make about 
this with the masking and the restaurant closures, okay? Let's go back to epidemiology 101. What's the point of mitigation, right? What's the point of mitigation? Why do we do mitigation? We do mitigation to flatten the curve. And why do we do why do we do mitigation to flatten the curve? We do that so that our hospitals do not get overwhelmed and and do not run out of people or run out of spots and beds, right? And why why is that? Well, the reason is is because once a virus is spreading through the community, um, it's likely going to, especially a highly contagious one, it's likely going to spread until you reach herd immunity. And uh, whether you reach herd immunity through vaccines or natural herd immunity, uh, a virus like this a lot of times is likely to spread um, until you reach that level. Of course, unless you can uh, catch it early enough and you can actually contain it. But once you have community spread, you can no longer contain it and you move to mitigation. Um, and so, okay, so let now let's take this, let's take this idea of allowing restaurants in, in dining and, and mask mandates. Okay, if, if those things slow down the growth rate of cases, they, they don't actually, you know, make, make your case, daily new case numbers go down. They actually just slow how fast it's going up. Now, what's the benefit of that? Are we, are we doing that? to are we doing that to try to flatten the curve so that our hospitals don't get overwhelmed are we trying to are we trying to do that so that we we're, we're waiting on the vaccines to get here and that's what it that's what they're kind of implying here is that hey we have to we have to do all of these we have to do all of these policies until we get the vaccines that goes against all good science from the very beginning we have known that shutting down businesses, shutting down schools, um, forcing people to wear masks. These things all have costs, extreme costs in a lot of cases, very, very high costs, which is why, which is why traditional epidemiologists only recommend public mitigation options like lockdowns and shutdowns and mask mandates and preventing restaurants and all that stuff for two weeks max. That's why the original one was two weeks to slow the spread. That's literally where it came from. I've I've looked at the I've looked at the actual CDC um, documentation from uh, prior to 2020. I think like 2007. I think is when they put out one of their big publications that they put out every 10 to 20 years or something, which is the latest and greatest epidemiology, the latest and greatest science and data on uh, mitigation options for pandemics. It's the pandemic response guidelines. The pandemic response guidelines, they say that the only reason or the, the, the number one reason you do this stuff is to flatten the curve so that the hospitals don't get overwhelmed. And they all say you do it for two weeks because if you do it for longer than two weeks, there's all kinds of negative consequences, including people stop listening to you. People will stop obeying you. You will destroy your credibility. Um, you're going to destroy people's lives. There's massive economic costs that result in death and other all kinds of problems. And so these are very costly things that we that we only do to flatten the curve to prevent the hospitals from being overwhelmed. They've totally changed that now. 
They've totally changed that. It's no longer it's no longer that we're doing this stuff to prevent the hospitals from getting overwhelmed. This has nothing to do with preventing the hospitals from getting overwhelmed. This has to do with flattening the curve and extending this out so long until we get a vaccine. That's not a good strategy. That's not a valid strategy. We're not supposed to do shutdowns and lockdowns and, and business closures and school closures and mask mandates while we wait for a vaccine. You know why? Because these policies are very destructive. You know why else? We don't know for 100% if the vaccines were going to work. If we lucked out and these vaccines worked and they came out and we had 95% efficacy and blah, 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 blah. But you can never do a strategy where you're reliant on that even if you knew from the very beginning that the vaccines were going to be 95 percent effective you would never do a strategy like this because um because um because the costs outweigh the benefit and so they've totally they've totally rejected all of the epidemiology the pre the pre-pandemic science the pre-pandemic data everything that we understood they've totally rejected it and now they've totally switched it it's no longer about flattening the curve and preventing our hospitals from go, go, getting overwhelmed now it's about let's shut down and lock down and do all this horrible stuff for as long as we have to until we get vaccines and it's like the other thing that the that people know is is when you flatten the curve it actually doesn't reduce your overall case numbers it spreads them out over a longer period of time okay so let's say let's say the let's say herd immunity let's say herd immunity levels are 70 percent right we 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 have to have 70 percent of the population to get natural immunity in order to reach herd immunity and once once we get to 70 percent of people who are immune because they've already had the virus then the virus will die out because there's not enough people to spread it and stuff like that so we have to get to 70 percent you know how do you get to 70%? You get to 70% by getting to 70%. You can get to 75% or 70% quickly, or you can get to 70% slowly. Now, does it, if you're going to, let's say you're going to, you're going to get to 70% no matter what. Let's start with that assumption. We are, we are going to get to 70%. 70% of the people are going to get the virus, period. From there, it's an issue of how long does it take us to get there? And frankly, a lot of times, um, the quicker the better because then the virus is gone and, and people can go back to work. And frankly, you want that 70% to be your young, healthy people who don't get it, which is why a lot of scientists, a lot of the doctors that signed the Great Barrington Declaration talked about focus protection, which is you you focus and you protect your elderly and you focus and you protect your um senior uh seniors and your people with compromised immune systems etc 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 and so um from there uh you and if you let the young people go out and get that immunity first um then you're not going to have as many deaths, right? Because if your young people have high levels of natural immunity, then you're going to reach, if, if you get most of your young healthy people to make up most of that 70%, then you're going to be much better off than if you have 
a whole bunch of elderly people and people with compromised immune systems that are playing that, which is the, the entire premise behind the Great Barrington Declaration and all the scientists and doctors that signed that. But so this whole thing about like masks and, and restaurant shutdowns, it's like, okay, so if this is, tr first of all, I, I'm not even through to this part yet to where we actually figure out like, what's the actual percentage uh, of benefit here? And it's, and it's obviously it's a small, small benefit. It doesn't actually cause your case numbers to start dropping. It just makes them not rise as fast as they otherwise would have. But it's like, okay, um, if that's true, then you know what we should do? We should do mask mandates for two weeks at a time. And we should only do them if our hospitals are overwhelmed. No, and, and no, we're not going to do them because... If we don't do it in a week, oh my gosh, the hospitals are going to get overwhelmed because we've heard that 10 million times throughout this pandemic and they never ended up happening. Now, now I'm not suggesting that we wait until the actual hospitals are actually overwhelmed and, and people are standing outside the hospital or dying outside the hospital. You don't wait that long to do community mitigation, but you also don't uh, rely on these preposterous models that tell you all these things wrong constantly. But it's like, look, if that's what we were talking about, if we were talking about doing targeted targeted mask wearing for places like, you know, at the county level, county by county all across the country, when, when counties were having surges where their hospitals were getting overwhelmed, you did two weeks, two week, two week mask wearing for one county here. And then next month or a month later, a two week mask, two week mask wearing for some other different county. That would, people would actually listen to that. People would actually do that. Instead, what you've got now is the exact thing that the experts and the doctors and scientists warned against, which is when you do these overbearing, way too long, um, harmful, harmful mass mandates, eventually people just start li stop listening. And so now, now we're in a position where if you actually did need people to wear a mask or to shut down restaurants because your hospitals were actually getting over overrun or were about to, you wouldn't be able to do it because nobody trusts you anymore. Nobody believes this stuff anymore. And so the the what they what they've warned against with doing too harsh of community mitigation is the is exactly the thing that's actually happening. Um and so this is just so mind numbing and it's just so frustrating because this is like, I, I, I was like a coronavirus streamer for most of 2020. I started following coronavirus in January of 2020 because I actually was planning a trip to China in April. I actually had printed off, I had, in, you know, invitations and I'd printed off all of my copies of my passport and had printed out the form for a Chinese visa and, and figured out who to write the check to, to who I was going to get my visa from. And so when this first news came out, I got really involved and interested in it and I really started following it. And then from the beginning of these lockdowns and stuff, I've got videos out there from like March and April of last year where I was going through the 2007 CDC pandemic guidance, community mitigation options, where I got all of this information from actual CDC documents on the CDC website. 
this is just this is all totally goes against everything that we knew about pandemics from before okay hold on the regression models controlled for several covariates restaurant closures bar closures stay-at-home orders bans on gatherings of more than 10 people daily covid test per hundred thousand persons county and time wow so they at least okay so they did control for daily number of tests which is great but they didn't control for seroprevalence. prevalence they didn't control for how many people had already had the virus there which is a huge impact i mean that's why you saw in some cases you know you would see you would see counties cases rising in one county and going down in another county and then and cases rising in one state and going down in another state and then some other like you had like waves going in sort of like regions around the country and so if you're not controlling for where at in the curve a place is then you're not doing a very good job of a study so there's a lot of problems with this that i can see right away like they're not even controlling for where at the where at in the epidemiological curve any given county is see and then so then then the cdc does this discussion and they have no they 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 say no mention of why we are reducing the spread of covid 19. not a word about doing this you know solely so that our hospitals don't get overrun not a word about doing this um you know just to so and to wait to wait to try to wait it out until we have a vaccine not a word just oh it slows the spread as if that reduces your overall number of cases which we know from epidemiology 101 it doesn't now it might it might if it drags it out and slows it down so much so that we don't reach herd immunity by the time we get vaccines but then again uh at that point you're talking about a year or more of these draconian lockdowns and violation of freedoms and destroying the economy. Clearly not worth it. Either way. Just uh, no mention of any of this. And then you know what's hilarious, you guys? You know what's hilarious? We're giving out vaccines to people that already have immunity. It's so funny. It's like, like that Johns Hopkins doctor wrote that article in the Wall Street Journal. And it's like, Dude, we've already got like 50%, 60% natural immunity, whether that's from T cells or antibodies or otherwise. And so now all these people are getting the vaccines and we already have natural immunity. It's like, wow, good. I'm I'm so glad that we're I'm so glad that we've got vaccines because um I'm so glad we've got vaccines now to give to a bunch of people that already have immunity. And then and then the cases are going to continue to drop and we're going to we're going to we're basically reaching herd immunity right now naturally and now we're going to have hundreds of millions of vaccines great great job folks what a waste of money that was listen to this i, I mean again not a word not a word about the fact that reducing the spread of covid 19 when it's a highly contagious virus and you've already got community spread does not reduce your overall number of cases it just it just makes them occur over a longer period of time that's what flattening the curve does listen to this mask mandates are associated with reductions in covid19 case and hospitalization growth rates whereas opening 
on-premises dining at restaurants, the known risk factor associated with SARS-CoV-2 infection is associated with increased COVID-19 cases and deaths, particularly in the absence of mask mandates. The current study builds upon this evidence by accounting for county-level variation in state-issued mitigation measures and highlights the importance of a comprehensive strategy to decrease exposure to and transmission of COVID. Prohibiting on-premise restaurant dining might assist in limiting exposure to COVID. However, such orders might disrupt daily life and have an adverse impact on the economy and the food services industry. If on-premises restaurant dining options are not prohibited, CDC offers considerations for operators and customers can reduce the risk of spreading COVID-19 in restaurant settings. COVID-19 custom death growth rate might also have increased because of persons engaging in close contact activities other than or in addition to on-premises restaurant dining in response to perceived re reduced risk as a result of states allowing restaurants to reopen. Further studies are needed to assess the effect of a multi-component community mitigation strategy on economic activity. So they actually just admit that this idea of just shutting down restaurants has is a terrible option and we, we need more studies. We need more, st we need more studies on the uh, strategy on economic activity. It's like, no, we don't need more studies. We need to stop destroying the economy. Even if these government orders and lockdowns and mandates and stuff, even if they have this tiny little benefit, it's not worth it because now we have to live in a, in a world and a society where this government has all this power and we and our rights can just be taken away at a moment's notice and, and, and we can be we can be banned from going to church whenever a Democrat wants to order us to no longer go to church because a virus is going around. Totally not worth it. I don't care. Like, again, I'm not willing to give up freedom just for a little bit of security or safety or health, period. Who will get a $1,400 payment? Key details on income dependent el eligibility for new round of relief payments are set to be approved by Congress. Another round of stimulus checks is almost certain to happen now that the Senate has approved Biden's corona relief. It's not coronavirus relief, by the way. It's a Democrat pork splurge. A House vote is expected Tuesday to be followed shortly afterward by Biden's signature. Here are the details on the third round of direct stimulus payments to households, which... At more than 400 billion total is the largest set yet. Biden said Saturday that the checks would start coming in March of 2021. The IRS will likely provide more details once Biden's signature turns the bill into a law. The IRS has recent experience sending out payments and that's a guide, a good guide for what to expect now. Last year, when Trump signed the first big relief bill in March, the bulk of direct deposits arrived within about two weeks. Second round of payments approved in December hit bank accounts within a few days after Trump signed them into law. That's actually that's actually pretty incredible that the government can actually get out cash into people's bank accounts within days of something coming becoming law. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Listen to the way that the Wall Street Journal reports this. This is such bias. This is this is why the Wall Street Journal is still considered left-wing biased mainstream media. The $1,400 comes on top of a $600 approved in December, so people will be receiving a total of $2,000 between the two rounds of payments, fulfilling a Democrat promise. It's like, no, Donald Trump did the $600. Remember when, remember when, uh, when was the, uh, when was the Georgia Senate runoffs? 
Oh, that was January 5th. Because I remember in January, after the $600 payment had already gone out, I specifically remember Democrats promising another $2,000. It was never $1,400 to add to the $600. That was never... That's never what the Democrats were saying. That's never what Donald Trump supported. Donald Trump supported $2,000, period. And the Democrats promised $2,000, even after Donald Trump did the 600. You gotta include the 1,200 that already went out too. So actually, we're, we're actually, now it's gonna be 3,200. It's actually gonna be $3,200 in, in direct checks to people. Okay, so this is crazy. Married couples with AGI up to 150K will get full payments. Unlike prior rounds, households just above the limits for full payments will see sharp declines on how much they receive. Individuals with AGI of 80,000, heads of household with AGI of 120, and married couples with AGI of 160,000 will get nothing. I love that. So you could, you could literally, you could make a, you could make $150,000 as a married couple with kids and you could get, what is that? 4,200. And if you made, if you made 10,000 more dollars, then you wouldn't get a dime. Is that really fair? Is that really fair to one, one family gets over $4,000 and the other family, just because they made an extra $10,000 last year, they get zero. When the person that made the more money actually paid more in taxes, this is anti-fair. This is the least fair thing I've heard of in my life. This is total class warfare. This is attacking people who worked hard. How is it fair that somebody who made more money, who paid more in taxes, they get less than somebody who paid way less in taxes? The numbers can get strange for some households. For example, a married couple with four children that made 160,000 in 2019 and 2020 would get zero payments. But if the same couple makes only 150,000 in 2021, it would get 8,400 on its 2021 tax return. That would either shrink the taxes it owes or increase its tax refund. In addition, the couple would also get a larger child tax credit and 2,200 in income tax savings. Dude, this is literally this is literally an incentive for people to make less money. This is an actual incentive to try to get your income lower. The result, the family would be better off after taxes if it made less money before taxes. That's what you have when you get the government, dude. You ha when you have government doing shit like this, you literally have situations where families are better off after taxes if they make less money than before taxes. It's not even, it's not even COVID relief. It's $2 trillion of just waste. I support the U.S. Constitution, God, and family. Uh, I've been practicing law for 10 years. I've traveled over 20 countries. I talk about it every night on Twitch, twitch.tv slash lctrfan. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Check me out every social media platform, lctrfan. Thank you, guys.